You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easily and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Industry Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Brower. Uh, Our guest today is a force in the technology and innovation movement, both in Colorado and nationally. After graduating from DU, he quickly became a leader in this community. He co-founded Denver Startup Week and the Commons on Champa, served as Chief Innovation Officer for the state of Colorado under Governor Hickenlooper. He's co-chairman of Club Civico, and he's also co-founder of the Goodwood Club. He also serves as uh, on the board of directors for the National Cybersecurity Center, Colorado Technology Association, and Mile High United Way. On top of all that, he's a devoted husband, a father of three, and three and a half years ago, he decided to take on the role of CEO at High Wing. High Wing is the first open data platform for commercial insurance. I'm very excited to have Eric Matisic here with us to learn more about him, his journey, and, and his passions. So thank you so much for being here, Eric. Matt, absolute pleasure, and uh, thank you for all that you do in our community. It's been so fun to uh, watch you build column uh, commercial and your work in the city, and uh, really excited to sit down and have an awesome chat today. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start, I actually uh, am late to the game in uh, watching or listening to Joe Rogan podcasts. A couple of days ago, I... Um, watched the uh, uh, one of the episodes uh, and he asked um, oh god the Tesla his name's escaped me right now Elon Musk yeah Elon Musk he asked him and I literally was going to ask you the same thing that's how I want to (laughs) start how in the world do you manage your time to be able to take on all that you take on and have it all work you know it's uh time time's the only thing we have and so you know I I look at my day every day Uh, I I, often uh, say that uh, everything in my life, uh, with the exception of my marriage, uh, is a startup. Like, uh, it's wild, it's topsy, it's turvy, it's unpredictable, uh, including raising my kids. Um, And, you know, I think that uh, I learned early on that, uh, you know, in life, uh, you've got kind of two types of, of balls. You've got, you know, those that bounce and those that break. And every single day, I have balls that uh, that bounce, uh, that that uh, that you know you're moving fast and and you're trying to make the most of your time that you know you can you know work through and recover and make great. Um, the magic is to make sure that the ones that are glass 
that you get them done, you hold them uh, tightly without uh, dropping and them. They don't drop them, yeah. and uh, and you keep moving forward. And so for me, uh, I I just you know I've got a a penchant to be able to to give uh, as much as I possibly can while I'm here uh, on Earth. And uh, I feel blessed to be involved in the organizations and the companies and, you know, the folks I get to interact with every day. And so uh, I just am a sponge for being able to hang out with awesome humans and, and help where I can. That's great. How many, uh, how old are your kids, by the way? Uh, I've got three uh, amazing kids all under the age of 10. Oh, my goodness. Two boys and a little girl. Wow. So you're, uh, you're probably in the throes of uh, they're getting into sports. And I'm sure your wife is a great partner to kind of help manage the yeah, I, I feel so blessed. I mean, obviously, I think uh, in life, um, just whether it's business or whether it's at home, uh, your partnerships matter. And uh, I've been really blessed. Uh, have an incredible wife, an incredible partner, and in building a great life together. And yeah, our kids are just on the cusp of doing a lot of sports. You know, I think, uh, you know, when they're young, uh, just like entrepreneurship, you try one of everything. And then you kind of hope to see, you know, where they're. Uh, their interests and their skills and their passions start to line. You kind of triple down and we're kind of right at that cusp where, you know, my sons are starting to realize some sports that they want to be great at. And, and, uh, you know, some of the things they didn't enjoy, you know, we're letting those seasons fly by and no longer signing up for it. So it's a lot of fun. Got to give it a try and see. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's clear to everyone that, uh, everyone that knows you, you have the huge passion for technology, innovation, moving, moving things forward. This is exact reason why, this podcast exists. I love hearing these stories. Thank you. When did you, uh, so you graduated from DU. When did you really start to grow this passion for, um, you know, technology, innovation, uh, to, to where you really wanted to be involved in the level that you're at? You know, I, out of undergrad, uh, I graduated and I spent, uh, you know, the first you know, two years uh, working as an investment banker um, in a structured finance practice at KPMG. And so uh, I had a finance degree, a marketing degree, had a business um, in college that was entrepreneurial. Um, and so I'd always been, you know, focused on, you know, trying to figure out how to make a buck. Um, and, you know, I thought that finance was a path for me to do that. I mm-hmm. uh, had some friends that had gone investment banking, and I thought that was a really, really great path for me. Um, what I realized is that, you know, uh, as I got deep in, deeper into that career, um, I was always enamored by, you know, not the process of finance or deals, but uh, I loved seeing some of the entrepreneurial companies or the entrepreneurs that were actually building the companies that we were consulting for. I was like, wow, I love that. And so uh, I had my first shot. Um, we had a client dinner and, you know, I got sat next to a couple of entrepreneurs here in Denver um, that were thinking about at the time, you know, building, uh, you know, what was very similar to a Pandora-like company called Exact Radio. One was a radio executive. Uh, the other was a uh, uh, managed all the radio stations here in Colorado, and um, they told me their idea over dinner. Uh, I was like 22 years old, 23 years old, and they're like, "Would you do that?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "You're hired." And I was like, Whoa. "Great!" <laughs> and it's wow. Started. And so uh, I was the first employee at that company after that dinner, and um, I've never looked back at entrepreneurship since. It's just been I, I get so much joy out of uh, tackling. Uh, you know, huge impossible problems, um, building really great teams that are motivated and excited to, to, to take on those challenges. And then, of course, you know, the, uh, the spoils and, and kind of kind of celebrations that go along with, uh, you know, the wins that, you know, are part of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So uh, what, what piece of the puzzle would you say you are great at bringing to the table with all these teams that you work with and all the different avenues? 
I would say, you know, in the business I've been involved with, um, I've all, I mean, I've, I've always operated, uh, with a founder mindset. And so, and, you know, and founders obviously have a lot of different skill sets. Um, you know, having either worked for really great founders or being a founder multiple times, um, I would say my superpower, uh, is the ability to, um, you know, really start to, you know, build the initial team. And so, you know, effectively identifying people and kind of creating that collaborative kind of, you know, fabric of, uh, an awesome structure of humans to actually take on the challenge. Um, you know, I would say my superpower is, is partnerships and collaboration. So what are the sales and business development and things that need to happen to, to get the company going? Um, and, uh, you know, what's, you know, really, you know, over the next till or kind of what's that vision that's, you know, really going to allow the company to succeed. And so I've lived my entire career, uh, between, you know, business development, uh, product, um, and you really, you know, leading teams, uh, with vision around what we can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been able to partner with amazing leaders that are awesome at operations and incredible at finance and incredible, you know, at, at uh, at some of the functional aspects of building a company. And yeah. so that's just where I've always found myself and I'm really comfortable in that arena. That's great. And I'm thinking, um, l- take Denver startup week for an example. How many years has that been running now? Six, uh, seven? We started Denver Startup Week in, uh, in 2012. Okay. And uh, this year will technically be uh, our 10th program, so our 10-year ten year, ten year anniversary. Okay. And yeah, I'm sure that the, the – um, I mean, I've gone to the events several years in the past when, uh, when we could actually be there physically and everything. <laughs> and I attended some virtually as well, but um, I'm sure that has had a little bit of an impact. But the momentum you guys created so quickly – on a national scale, um, can you describe how how that came to be? It probably had a lot to do with the team, but were there certain marketing metrics? I mean, how does how does something like that grow nationally so quickly and get so much attention? Where people, even the thought leaders you have brought in, that are just mind blowing. I'm like, oh my god, right here in Denver, this is amazing. Can you just just talk yeah. about that a little bit? How that was built? I think. Denver Startup Week is one of the incredible success stories of our community. And when I say our community, um, it's really the result of an incredible group of leaders and founders and companies and employees coming together to celebrate the awesomeness of what Denver is uh, and what Denver can become. You know, I always explain uh, Denver Startup Week is like a giant bonfire. Like, you know, uh, for a bonfire to be big, uh, you got to have a lot of fuel. And so we had a lot of emerging companies. We were kind of at the very beginning of the co-working craze. Um, we had companies that are now public, like Ping Identity and SendGrid, that were leading the discussion in our startup community. We had like the initial birth of meetups and groups coming together in 2011. Uh, you had incredible civic organizations like the Downtown River Partnership that had strategies to like build an innovation center in the city. You had universities that were driving the dialogue and discussion around students getting involved in entrepreneurship. And you had really great leaders like Brad Feld and Phil Weiser um, trying to pull together the pieces to make Colorado uh, an epicenter of innovation. Uh And so when I look back on uh, Startup Week, um, I just feel really lucky uh, to be in the right place uh, at the right time. Um, and to have had the opportunity to take the initiative with an incredible group of founders, um, we just threw the match on all the kindling that was here. I mean, Colorado was awesome and becoming more awesome by the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Denver Startup Week has really been reflective of the growth of the city. And yeah. so when you look at the companies that are here now and the types of founders we've attracted and the story of, the, of Colorado over the last decade, um, every year Denver Startup Week puts, uh, you know, on high volume or kind of on stage – 
the best of the best things that are happening in innovation and early stage growth. Um, but that's most reflective of the people that are here. And so we've always said that Denver Startup Week is, you know, for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs, for the future of entrepreneurs. And that's been, you know, the, the coolest thing about it. You know, I think the secret that everyone gets, you know, sometimes a little bit misled is that as, an, as a committee, uh, the committee produces, you know, anywhere between 30 to 50 events a year. And we always have over 400. And so who, who, who produces the other 350 events, right? It's you, the entrepreneurs, it's, yeah, the it's, community, it's the community. And yeah. so, so when you think about the scale of generosity of Denver startup week, what makes it so special is you've got, uh, you know, overwhelmingly, you know, 80% of the content is produced by the community for the community being generous and giving to give back to the community. And then we've got this container of a bunch of leaders that have been leading the, the charge to make sure their sponsorship and incredible, you know, structure and insurance and all the things yeah. work. But, um, you know, I, I, I really think as much as there's a group of us that founded uh, Denver Startup Week, I really look at Denver Startup Week as being founded by the city of Denver and the state of Colorado. And I really look at it as an asset that I hope lives on, you know, well into Colorado's innovation future. Uh, to really showcase the best things that are happening here every year and give founders the accolades that they need to have for building great companies in our city. Yeah, that's such a, a great point. One thing I love about Denver, and you know, you hear certain people that maybe have, are uh, natives here or whatever, they don't like the growth that we've seen here. That is precisely what I love about Denver. How many people are moving here that are educated workforce? It's causing, you know, that coupled with what you've built with all your partnerships, Denver Startup Week, Civico, all this, all these things. Um, it's gotten the attention of the large companies that want to be here because this is where the educated workforce is. People want to be here just because it's, it's an awesome place. We have the back, you know, the, the playground in our backyard of the mountains and everything yep. else. Uh, the ecosystem is just on fire and I, I love it. I love the energy of this place. And, you know, we were talking about Austin uh, just before we uh, started recording here, that's another epicenter of just crushing it. And I think Dallas too, uh, to a certain extent. I haven't been there in a while, but um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, I, I think when I look at all these all this innovation activity, I mean, the one thing that's really clear, you know, coming out of 2020, mm -hmm. is there's a clear migration away from major uh, like urban centers, the San Francisco's, New Yorks, and Boston's, yeah, uh, to the the rest. Uh, of of the uh, of the U.S. and I think that cities like Denver, cities like Austin, Dallas, Miami, Chicago, Kansas City, Seattle, Seattle, like Portland, Salt, Salt, yeah. San, San Diego, like Salt Lake City. Um, I think that's going to be the story of the future. I think that um, the cities now have the infrastructure. They've got the tech, the talent, and the brain power. Yeah. They've got companies that are committing there. Um, people enjoy the lifestyle. You know, I just think that, you know, uh, the San Francisco's of tomorrow are going to be among us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't look at it as a zero-sum game. You know, people are like, you know, well, Colorado's third at this or first at this or, you know, tenth at that or, you know, Austin's better or Denver's better. Like, I look at all this ecosystem and kind of core innovation work as a zero-sum game. Like, the future in front of us with technology and innovation is so massive and yeah. so abundant that there's – more than enough for every single city that wants to participate and Denver just needs to carve out the piece they want to be best at is it is they want to continue building this amazing security uh, community do they want to continue building this amazing aerospace community I mean there's lots of things here cannabis community there's lots of things That's that right, are emerging yeah. in the laboratories for in the state we just need to pick the ones that we want to be the best in the world at and then put our shoulder against it and tell everybody that it's there and 
it'll be so. Yeah. I think uh, the the story of 2020 is going to be pretty telling in how it's going to catapult us even quicker into the this world of technology, uh, causing a lot of different industries to adopt technology much quicker. Um, what industries do you think are going to accelerate quicker than others in that regard? Yeah, I think you're going to see, I mean, it's really fun to see um, the, the breadth of kind of one, Colorado continues to be one of the leading states in terms of just general vaccine concentration. So, mm-hmm. like, we've been faster and better at vaccinating our our, uh, our citizens than a lot of other states. And I think it's going to assist our recovery dramatically. Um, and so, like, I, l- I look at, you know, two pieces. I, I think that um, a lot of these things you're talking about are here to stay. Like, I don't think people are going to stop ordering groceries to their house or stop using uh, food delivery services. I mean, I, I think that just becomes a mainstay where people are dabbling. I think it's now part of the monthly budget. I think yeah. it's just a real thing. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to grow there. Um, I think I think the big stories um, coming out of some of this work is that, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, um, you know, Alex Karp um, decided that he was going to move one of the largest, most successful uh, tenants and companies out of Palo Alto, uh, Palantir. And, um, you know, I think Palantir, um, Palantir to me was a signal of, of, uh, of kind of that next stage of arrival. Um, I was involved in, you know, trying to recruit GE. I was involved in trying to recruit, uh, Amazon too. Like there's been a lot of these things that have kind of flown over Denver where we've came close, but you know, we didn't land them. And, 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 you know, for Palantir to show up as a multi-billion dollar enterprise and kind of one of the, you know, the, 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 the gorillas per se inside of the security industry, um, it was a seismic shift to our, one, our ability to house that type of company um, to uh, the perception from, you know, what is one of the best of innovation economies, San Francisco, that you can grow that same thing or better in, in Colorado. Yeah. And three, it was a head nod to our technology economy around the concentration of talent in security. And so I'm really long on the security, um, you know, community, cybersecurity, security, networking infrastructure. I think that's going to be amazing. Oh, it's good. It's going to be more and more important as you know as it's the just, and, and, and they're going to be more, i mean there's a lot more tenants and a lot more activity happening in the city yeah. i also i also think that you know i think we're just like in chapter one of cannabis we're like a decade into cannabis but like when you think about what's happening nationally and the legalization amongst lots of states that drug their feet right um colorado's the laboratory like we were the ones that like built everything we built, yeah like, that's right the candies and the and the sodas and like, like all these things that are happening we somehow were involved in building and that's going to be a huge leg up as all these other states uh start to start to adopt it because they're going to look to us and say what did colorado do right and that's yeah, exactly. going to be great for us yeah absolutely a lot of uh opportunities for the investors in that space here huge to diversify and grow and uh yeah that's not slowing down no, not at all. No. And who knows, uh, you know, maybe with the, the new regime in, in uh, D.C. <laughs> might actually excel quicker nationally. I don't know. guess we'll see. I, th- I think you could be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's great, man. Is there, any, uh, is there any technology that makes you nervous, any innovation that makes you nervous or you think, uh, oh, we should maybe slow down on that or? Just for the sake of humanity, and you know, I, I think um, it's been incredible to see you know kind of two things. I mean, I think every, every everyone talks about um, you know kind of the parity uh, around humanity and uh, technology, um, you know, into the future. And I think the advancement in robotics in the last you know three years 
um, I don't know if you were able to see uh, General Atlantic's, you know, most recent, um, you know, release of their um, kind of like 2020, uh, you know, um, robotics uh, summary. I have but, not seen that. I'm going to Google but, that now. But effectively, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, you've got human designed robots uh, that can dance like they're dancing at a wedding with perfect balance, oh engaging with the beat, like being, I get just, you start to see humanity come out in technology. And we're getting really, the next piece of that is to embed not only the movement and the action, but to start adding cognitive elements of speech and engagement. Right. And so we're really close. And so like, I just think that that makes me uh, excited because, you know, one of the first backers of a Colorado company, uh, Misty Robotics, I want to have a robot on my house, like as soon as possible to do lots of things that I think robots are really good at. Um, it doesn't make me excited to, un, you know, t- you know, wh- wherever there's great opportunity, uh, there's great risk because, you know, there's always the white side and the dark side of technology. And, um, you know, you see the land of deep fakes and you see the land that, you know, uh, you know, when you look at the social dilemma and things we're struggling with just in terms of like general technology and, um, around communication and access to knowledge, like those things scare me. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've got young kids and, uh, I'm more interested in them having the truth than I am, you know, having them having them have fancy technology. And, uh, you know, I think as we go forward, that just becomes more challenging. You know, yeah. you've got, whether it's deep fakes or whether it's cognitive abilities and robots or like all of these things pose an arena that truth can be a new version of the truth. And that really scares me. Artificial intelligence mixed with a robot that looks so real. Yeah, yeah. it's just a new, it's just a new version of, of the truth. And that's, yeah. uh, uh, it doesn't make me comfortable and yeah. it's, you just to authenticate that at scale becomes really, really hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, it's, it's something that you could, you know, we could easily resist and fear. Oh, at what point is AI going to overtake humans or humanity uh, su- such that we won't know what or who we're interacting with. But then uh, a friend of mine, actually, uh, these are conversations I love having with my friends. <laughs> just, going down a rabbit hole on something a friend of mine said you know what if that is what is the next progression of humanity uh then isn't it meant to be so that's an interesting perspective yeah it is I, I, I think you know uh we've always been able to evolve and survive over time right and you know uh, the industries that get wiped out by new technology uh, advances are usually, you know, create a whole series of new industries and jobs that allow really great humans to participate in. So I think we will continue to evolve. Um, and it does make me feel better. You know, you, um, you know, there's people like Elon Musk and serious technology investors in San Francisco and New York that are investing in nonprofits to like garner the ethics of computing. Right. So like, it's not like the world's not thinking about, wow, this is really dangerous. Like, just let it run. I mean, there are really smart people thinking about how to manage the societal uh, benefits and detriments of advanced technology. Um, but it's, you know, I, I just think at your point, you know, it could be the evolution. It's just going to be something that we're all going to have to, you know, really have our hands on the wheel to do right. Right. Um, and it's going to, you know, it's going to come faster than we think. Every year that I think something's a little bit further away, I'm like, wow, that's getting really close. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. so, it, you know, I get excited about that though. I just, I look at all these things as like, you know, what can be done versus what can't be done. Like I just, it's just the way I'm wired. And so things like that, I get really, really excited about, you know, having a robot in my house. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I always thought that, um, Elon and his Neuralink company was, oh, that's an example of, I want to take 
you know, I want to be at the forefront of taking this part of it over and getting us there quicker. But now after actually listening to that Joe Rogan podcast, it was almost as if he recognized that it's too late. AI is already uh, moving quicker than we can control at this point. And his move to create Neuralink was actually a form of, I want to control this as much as possible and try to create uh, some sort of symbiotic relationship between the two. Exactly. So it was really interesting to hear, Um, you know, and just learn more about him. He's guy's an alien for sure. Super intelligent. Super intelligent. Can't believe it. Um, that's great. Well, I want to get, uh, I want to get into what you're currently working on and the, you know, I think it's the professional services industries that have been slower to adopt technology over the last, you know, for sure. 10, yeah, I mean, 15, 20 you're years. In I mean, it, exactly. Yeah. Commercial real estate. Now there's, uh, you know, CRE tech yep. or, uh, yeah, real estate tech. Prop tech. Pro, yeah, sorry, prop tech. Uh, insure tech is one that is yep. um, on the forefront, which is what you're doing with High Wing. Highwing.io is your website. Uh, let's let's jump into that. So how did you, you know, come to get into that industry and want to learn more about it and, and have an impact in moving that forward? So I've always been involved in building uh, software companies. With the exception of one business, I was always deeply kind of involved in the software development, you know, component of uh, of the business. Um, and so, uh, you know, being able to bridge that with um, some relationships I had here in town, uh, Rob Cohen, who's an, you know incredible um, civic leader, and more importantly, you know, the CEO and chairman of a financial services company called IMA Financial. Um, he and I had been discussing uh, kind of the innovation lag in insurance for years. You know, we, we got to know each other uh, through some, uh, some from, uh, programs that the Denver Chamber had put together and always found ourselves in a corner, you know, somewhere, you know, in some random city discussing about how amazing insurance could be if this software existed to, to kind of revolutionize it. And so uh, that all came, came to a boiling point and Rob started some projects internally at IMA Financial and really started driving some innovation in the firm and uh, invited me in to, you know, look at what they were doing at the time, uh, but also come back and, you know, say, he gave me an open book and said, um, you know, this is where we're at. But, you know, looking at it from a, from a software perspective, you know, we sell insurance and service insurance and are experts at uh, being great at client service every day. Like, we don't build software. Like, we know what the problem is, but like, what's the software solution for this work? And right. so that's where I came in. Um, you know, we spent, you know, uh, greater part of, you know, six months, you know, inside the company trying to figure out, you know, the real opportunity to advance uh, the industry specifically from a brokerage and carrier perspective. And we landed on high wing. And that's really where we understood that a majority of the uh, transactions, if not all of them in the commercial insurance space today, uh, they occur over email and email is just not a platform for uh, analytics, insight, security, uh, tracking, reporting. It's just, it's just efficiency, anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we said there's gotta be a better way. And so that set us on a track to build high wing and, uh, yeah, we want to be the first, uh, open data platform, uh, to connect all the, you know, software platforms with the insurance industry, uh, to efficiently, you know, effectively transact commercial insurance. Okay. So high level, how many of the like what what sides of the industry are you, is it servicing making lives easier and like how how are the all the parties communicating using highwing yeah so um looking at some of the prop tech corollaries like when you think about like you know um trying to think like dot loop is probably if you're familiar with that business in yeah the, in, the, in the real estate loop space. net 
LoopNet. LoopNet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah dot, loop, dot loop was on the, more on the residential side. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And they really built the workflow and transaction platform for residential real estate. Yeah. So like if you wanted to like buy a home, um, they said, great, here's, here, here's, here's the template applications. Here's the data that we're going to inject the applications with. Uh, here's the, 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 the quick checks I'm going to put against title and against the purchaser and the seller. And, uh, and we're going to really efficiently, you know, over a mobile app, you know, start to be able to take something that was a bunch of 11 by 17 paper and then like, you know, boil it down into something that happens really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, um, same things happen in insurance. And so, you know, we looked at, um, you know, the insurance process, especially, and again, just to kind of give context to where we exist in the world. I mean, insurance is like, when you say insurance, it's like the most massive word in business. Yeah. Is it healthcare could, benefits? It could mean so much. Is it yeah. life insurance? Is it small commercial insurance? Is it my auto, you know, policy? Is it my business? Like insurance is just a massive, massive word. The world that we play in inside this massive landscape yeah. um, is uh, middle market and large commercial insurance. So kind of the core, you know, five lines of property and casualty business insurance. Um, and we specifically cater to companies that spend, you know, over $25,000 a year in insurance annually. So, you know, by putting us in that segment, obviously we cater to larger companies, usually have, you know, tens if not hundreds of employees, tens if not hundreds of millions of revenue. Um, and they're the big businesses here in the United States. And so the, the biggest thing we realized was that, you know, all these transactions were paper. They were all over email and they all took a long time to do. Right. And we said, let's start to bring together the transaction systems, the client level data, the policy level data with better communications with the carriers. If we can stitch that together all through one platform, all of a sudden we can start to control the speed, the efficiency and the transaction itself. And that's what we've been building for the last two years. Um, we're early on. Um, we think we've got something that could be really powerful to, to change the insurance industry. Um, but, you know, most importantly, you know, we're a product driven and centered company. So as long as we're solving problems for our current users, you know, we're making progress. Yeah. Is there a certain revenue threshold or employee count or, or what's the threshold um, that you say, yeah, that's a company that could be that our service could be benefit? Beneficial to the, yeah, the, the biggest uh, the biggest transition point what I would say between small commercial and middle market insurance um, is when you start to develop and you know kind of a term in art in the insurance industry is either program design uh, or program architecture around your uh, you know full risk management portfolio so those are a bunch of really big words that mean like if I have multiple insurance policies to cover the entire landscape of my exposures at risk yeah those policies are working in tandem. Uh, to be able to cover different elements of my risk landscape. And the sum of them makes my business safe. You know, my risk is covered and my premium is the, you know, the lowest possible value for the combination of policies that I have. When you get to that level of assembly, that's really where, you know, um, the middle market begins. I think when you, when you look below that, um, you know, like you just take like a, a yoga studio in Cherry Creek, you probably have 10 employees, you need a work comp policy, you might need a general general liability policy, you probably need an umbrella in case someone, you know, slips on some ice. Um, you know, you, you maybe have a property policy, if you yeah. might have leased it, so you probably don't have a prop policy. Right. So like the, the complexity of insurance in a small business is not as significantly great. less. Right. Um, but when you start running multi-million dollar enterprises, there's an insurance policy for all components of the business. Yeah. So that's really where we, th we excel. Um, when there's multiple lines of cover 
really covering the entire risk landscape inside of a company. Yeah. Okay. Are there? Uh, by the way, are you in beta phase right now? Are you, is it a live product? Is it? Wh- we launched our product. Um, you know. Uh, Really, kind of, really closely uh, in the fall of 2018, we launched our Otera Alpha, released okay. a test product with our early, early clients. Um, in 2019, uh, we kind of had our first transaction platform constructed. Great. Uh, in 2020, uh, we advanced that traction. Uh, we uh, what we were calling kind of our e-submit uh, to our placement engine. So now we've got a much fancier version of you know connecting brokers and carriers and being able to transact insurance. And as we go into 2021, you're really starting to not only deal with brokers and carriers, but figuring out like, how can we accelerate the transactions between the broker and the insured? So in your world, like if you're sending, you know, a tenant, uh, you know, information, how do I make that as seamless as possible using digital tools? So, you know, we're just cruising to get into a lease um, using, using digital tools versus old school paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny in the real estate world, it seems like the residential market adopted technology a long time ago it's the commercial side that has right. continued to work a little more archaically um, but as you mentioned prop tech is is there's a lot of attention in that industry as well even legal um is adopting a lot of technology so i it seems like you guys have moved very fast yeah um, i mean i think uh commercial real estate and business insurance large commercial insurance have a lot of corollary mm-hmm. yeah and um when you look at small commercial and personal lines insurance that's where all the innovation's been. So I would I would liken that to residential real estate. Mm, so yeah. massive market, everyone needs an insurance policy for their home or auto, and you know there's a hundred different places you can get that policy, um, and it's relatively simple to underwrite, and there's no knowledge of the transaction. Um, when you get into the more complex, larger business, all of a sudden you you graduate into larger partners. Certain markets, you know, actual write that risk. Certain businesses only need to, you know, have that cover. Yeah. And I look at the same as commercial real estate. Like when you look at, you know, and there's fewer players, so there's fewer brokers, there's fewer banks, there's fewer everything. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think um, in the preservation of those really big pillars of industry whether it was the transaction platform or in real estate, like CoStar or LoopNet, like there were those things that were kind of like sacred cows in the world of the industry. Same is true in large insurance. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, why change when we're making a lot of money? We can get the job done. Uh, Everyone's still either moving into an office space or, you know, they're getting an insurance policy. What's my motivation like right now to change what I'm doing when I'm doing great yeah exactly and yeah. and you know that's you know just and so I, I think it's real the residential real estate now i'm just even talking to the residential real estate market and the small commercial insurance market they're identical all yeah. of the innovation one-to-one let's give people the power to choose everyone can figure out how they want to buy a house or buy an insurance policy that's going to graduate up into the big stuff and that's where we are gotcha wow so uh talk more about you you were mentioning a little bit of the struggle that you know you're interjecting this new technology into a space that it, this does not exist you're having to educate a market that uh, a market of people that are not used to something like this talk more about the challenges of that and like what what hurdles have you discovered as you've gotten into this that you've had to overcome and how are you doing that i think the the, the biggest uh, opportunity in the insurance market um, is to meet um, those who are you know, especially in our, in, in our world who are transacting insurance, um, where they are. Um, I think it's so easy to wave the flag of innovation and wave the flag of insure tech and be like, oh my gosh, you're not using that. Like you're so old school. Or right. Like, yeah. And all that does 
is hurts feelings, slows down the process, and makes people feel like they're not part of the revolution. Um, the the approach we've taken at High Wing um, is, you know, everyone's on their own. Like I look at it like fitness. Everyone's on their own path. You know, some brokerage firms, you know, they're super fit. They're on a great diet. They've got it dialed. They know they're disciplined. They look fantastic. Uh, others are working on it and, mm-hmm. and they know that they need to be fit. They know that they need to figure out how data is inspirational and, 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 and embedded in their business, but they're on the, on a path. And so uh, the job and challenge that I think that we face every day is like, let's meet a bunch of different firms who are all in the same line of business that are at very different chapters of adopting technology. And let's be able to communicate them all at their own level, their own time and their own space to bring them along in the, in the, in the, in the ride. Mm. And so, um, you know, it's forced us to hire really empathetic, um, you know, uh, leaders in our company, those who understand insurance, but those who more importantly understand the trade and can be empathetic to like, wow, totally get it. Let us help. Um, you're not doing it wrong. You're doing it hundred percent. Right. There right. might be a better way. Have you considered this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Versus like, oh my gosh, the world is uh, you know, on fire. And if you don't use you're, this, you're, you're being yeah, left behind. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I think, I think, I think that's the key. And, you know, we're long-term in this. I mean, it's like insurance is a long-term industry. It's been around for, you know, hundreds of years. It's one of the oldest industries in the United States. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be around for hundreds more. And so while we're in this chapter of um, really accelerating the innovation, um, we want to empathetically bring along those who want to participate and those who want to compete at the next level. Um, we want to give them tools to do it and yeah. uh, and just help them get there. And I think that's, that's really the game. I mean, collaboration, uh, understanding where they're at in the process and then being able to provide solutions that you know level them up that that those those are the companies that'll win yeah are there particular industries that have been quicker to adopt um the use of your platform or any or any industries that you guys are specifically targeting because yeah it's uh, it's interesting yes that's who um when you look at the core kind of five lines of property and casualty within general liability um, you start to see some emerging lines that are becoming 100% digital out of the gates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the old, like the, you know, for as long as insurance has existed, AKA, you know, property insurance, general liability insurance, you know, uh, as long as we've had workers, you know, workers' compensation insurance, like the, the, the bread and butters of the casualty market, property and casualty market, um, those have been slower to change. Um, the merging policies like, um, like cyber coverage, um, you're seeing companies built that are sp- specifically only writing that specialty kind of insurance. Yeah. They're a hundred percent digital. They're built with API integrations. They're doing all their analysis and risk analysis using, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning tools to analyze the risk. Data, and, right. Yeah, it's so, More data driven. Yeah, so right. you're seeing, you're seeing some of these emerging lines of cover be the most innovative, but they're only doing it just for that. Mm-hmm. So, so those companies are not writing a lot of the traditional core lines. They're just laser focused and being the best at that. Um, and so I think that's where it's headed. Um, but that's where we're seeing the innovation. Okay. Yeah. And that's a massively growing industry. So <laughs> that's good. Um, cool. Well, uh, again, uh, highwing.io is the website. What's the best way for any company that's anyone listening and they want to learn more? Um, and they're going through a transition, maybe they're moving the location, buying a building, um, growing their team, whatever, what's the best way for them to find out more info? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
easiest place to find uh, me and our team um, is at uh, www.highwing.io. Um, and uh, anybody who's interested just in general as it relates to the Colorado tech ecosystem, uh, becoming more familiar with things here in Colorado, um, you know, understanding, you know, the, 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 uh, the awesome things and the things they need to consider as they're uh, getting ready to put a, their landing gear, their landing pad down. Uh, you can always find me at uh, matisic.com, uh, easy place to connect. And, you know, I try to spend as much time as helping, you know, folks get situated here as, as possible. So um, excited to connect with anybody that's uh, considering making Colorado their home. Cool. Matisic.com and you have links to your LinkedIn and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Easy to find. Yeah. Very cool. So I want to, I like to wrap these uh, with, you know, getting s- listeners can get to know you more on a personal level. Uh, so just kind of rapid fire questions. Have, has there been any books that have been really impactful to you as you've, you know, grown in your career? Most impactful book. Um, I would say, you know, uh, my, uh, my business partner in Civico, um, Ryan Heckman just gave me uh, The Profit uh, by Gilbrin, which um, is, you know, one of the, I would say, oldest standing kind of s- steady um, philosophical, you know, poetic, um, you know, books on business and life and philosophy. And, uh, it always anchors me, to, you know, I'd, I'd read it when I was in college. Um, you know, it'd come across my desk a couple times in my career. Uh, it's reentered my life, uh, recently from, a, a, you know, as a, as a gift from him. And it's just one of those things I think anchors you in a lot of the core areas of your life that, uh, just gives you deep perspective on, uh, not only, uh, morality, uh, but the impact we can have while we're all here. Wow. Yeah, I'll check that out. I've heard of that book, but I've never read it. Um, how about people? Anyone that's been really impactful on you as a, uh, as an individual who, who, are, who you are today, like who you strive to be? Yeah, I, I was, um, raised by, you know, uh, uh incredible parents. Uh, but I had the, uh, the good fortune of when I was an undergrad, um, living over here in Denver and, um, you know, I had a, a grandfather, um, that was just, you know, an epic force in my life. You know, I think not only, uh, gave me perspective of the school of hard knocks, you know, he didn't graduate from high school and, uh, he's a, you know, gr- he retired from RTD as a bus driver. And so he always had this running and gunning kind of, you know, entrepreneurial view on life of, you know, how to, how to, how to make a dollar, but was always incredibly generous, uh, to his family and those he interacted with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, growing up, uh, right by Casa Bonita, uh, I'd spend my afternoons after school, um, you know, kibitzing with the, you know, 60 and 70 year olds, uh, um, at Winchell's coffee house, you know, <laughs> drinking chocolate milk and, and sprinkled donuts. And how old uh, are you at this age? At this uh, time? Uh, uh, four to six, oh, four wow. to seven. Yeah. And then being re you know, alive, my grandpa, when I came back over for undergrad and being able to sit in the garage and uh, at his house and, you know, have cocktails and talk about life. Like I think about those moments and I think about who I am today. And, uh, there's a tremendous amount of his principles in my daily activity. And uh, I just think it is, is kind of a head nod to uh, the power of parenting, the power of grandparenting. And, um, you know, it makes me want to just be the best dad I can be because I just think even when folks aren't watching or your kids aren't watching, they are. And you never know what they're going to grow up to become. Yeah, that's very cool. The way you described your grand- grandfather is like how everyone sees you, I think. So that's definitely how I see you. So. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> he was an amazing man. That's cool. Do, um, did, so you're, you're a native of Colorado? Born, raised, never left. Wow. Called Casa Denver Bonita. home. Grew up, grew up in the, uh, I grew up, I, I was born in Wheat Ridge at mm-hmm. Lutheran Hospital. 
Uh, I grew up in uh, Fruita, Colorado, outside of Grand Junction, and then came back here, went to school at DU, and then have never left Denver. And so, you know, wow. I've only filed my taxes or gone to hospitals here, and and uh, you know, I, I plan to 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 uh, rest here too. So I love this place. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, I've uh, been here in 20 years, but definitely not a na- native, unfortunately. Love this place too. Well, the Colorado-ish counts. Yeah, so yeah Colorado-ish. Colorado-ish counts. <laughs> it counts, especially those who love it. So yeah. it counts. It counts. So uh, what do you spend you know, outside of work? And I'm sure you, you know, really, really value your time with your family when you're not working because you work a ton. What do you do outside of, of all that? How do you just shake loose and relax? And what are, what are your, kind of your hobbies outside of that? Yeah, I'd say uh, one of my favorite things um, outside of you know, kind of the civic activities I do do, um, uh, and and of course being at home, um, I've got an incredible group of um, business leaders that you know we came together in 2011, um, a group called the you know the Goodwood Club, mm-hmm. and there's uh, there's eight of us that all kind of decided back in 2011 that um, we wanted to be better better fathers, better friends, better professionally, and we wanted to have a lasting impact on Denver, and I'd say. Uh, some of the work we've done, uh, you know, both in the community has been impactful, but more importantly, uh, those seven guys uh, mean the world to me. And uh, whenever I get a chance to be on the phone or grab a cocktail or, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, laugh over a glass of whiskey with them, it's, it's, it's good living. Oh, yeah. I know several of them very well. <laughs> it's not too hard to get them out for a cocktail. They're the best of the best. No. <laughs> they, they, are they really the, are. They, they are. are. Best I, the I best. love all those guys. The best of the best. Incredible. Love all you guys, I should say. I appreciate it. I go that. to that luncheon every year and never miss it uh, or at least thank i you. try not to yeah thank you so hopefully we can have it again this year it was, i know, it was, know. It, was, it was devastating for us in 2020 that we weren't able to get you know 200 of our closest friends together for a fundraiser over steak and wine and an afternoon of uh kibitzing before the holidays but we'll do it this year yeah yes fingers are crossed for sure <laughs> um and uh so you already answered earlier what your superpower is so i'm going to ask you instead to wrap this what are you most proud of I'm most proud of my my sons and my daughter. Like, uh, like it's it's amazing. Uh, I think it, 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 I think starting companies is always incredible. Building organizations is always incredible. But uh, the power of human life and the power of crafting it together with another human. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to have an incredible wife, and um, every day my sons and my daughter just kind of like take me back of like, wow, that's like that's incredible. You know, yeah. whether it's something that something they've learned or something they're showing me or something they've done or, you know, some, you know, baseball, my son you know, hits out into the outfield, like whatever it is, I just kind of am in this like constant state of awe as they're growing up. And, uh, I've got a lot of great friends and mentors and, you know, I think that have always from an early, early day, you know, have instilled in me, like those moments evaporate, like you, you your kids are in your house for 18 years, but you know, really about 12 feels like a blip, really yeah. about 12. And, uh, and in those 12 years, you've got, time to show up or, you know, time to, time to be out. And, uh, I think, uh, I've been blessed with being able to, uh, watch them, you know, by showing up and, and, uh, you know, I look up to them every day. That's great. Yeah. To see the joy in their eyes when they're wanting to show you something or it's whatever. Incredible. It's gotta be a, it's incredible. Life's, life's greatest gift. That's cool, man. Well, again, thank you so much. It was an awesome conversation. Yeah. Great to get to know you better. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah. For the listeners again, matisic.com check it out, get connected with Eric. You will be inspired. I guarantee it. And if you want to find out more about high wing, the website is highwing.io. 
Uh, again, thank you very much, and I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, really appreciate all the work you're doing, bringing together awesome leaders, talking about Denver. Most importantly, uh, letting everybody that's you know taking a look at you know hopefully moving here, um, just how awesome, diverse, and inclusive this place is. So I appreciate you a lot. Absolutely, thank you. You're welcome.